Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. With that new direction, we set upon looking for a coach that could really take us and lead us in that direction. What we were looking for was a leader, and that was probably the most important aspect of what we were looking for, as opposed to what we've seen a lot of the other teams looking for offensive-minded coaches because of the success of, uh, of Sean McVay and some of the other great offensive minds. But to me, you start an organization by finding a great leader. And I'm really thrilled to say that I believe we have found that leader that can really take us into the future. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. Different location today. Chris and I don't always taped together, but we decided to come out to the Brian Flores press conference here at Dolphins Camp. And the folks here at Davey were kind enough to set us up outside on the picnic tables right outside the bleachers. So if you're a little background noise, you hear some planes going by. Uh, that's not Brian Flores deciding to leave town and go back <laughs> to New England. <laughs> he's, he's still here. He actually just walked by us uh, after we left uh, the auditorium where the press conference was, and we'll get to all the details of that here in a second. Now that you found us, make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. Also, check out all the Five Reasons Sports Podcasts. There are 15 of ours now. All you got to do is type that into your favorite podcast provider. That's Five Reasons Sports all of them will come up. Make sure that you subscribe to those to get those as well. We've got Miami Heat Beat. Three Yards Per Carry is also going to be posting tonight as we tape this. So we have dueling podcasts today. No British voices on this unless Whittingham decides <laughs> to crawl back into his Nigel voice. I'm going to try to avoid that. Uh, but also, again, check out Chamber Podcast. Out for the Count will be back soon. Goldie on Ice put out an episode. Steve Goldstein on the Panthers last week. And Craig Mish, we're gearing up for spring training. We're going to have six different people in our network up at Marlin Spring Training. We're also going to have three people from our network, including myself, along with Nikias Duncan and Leif. Uh, we call them Lefty Leif, but actually Greg Sylvander. We're all going to be at the All-Star Game in Charlotte now that Dwayne Wade has been announced as a special selection for the game. So the three of us will be up there. Nobody else in this market that I believe is sending more than one. So we're going to have three people up there to cover everything with Dwayne's last All-Star Game. All right, let's get to it, Chris. We get to this press conference. This podcast isn't going to be that long, but it will probably be longer than the presser, mm-hmm. which was not particularly long. Um, I've been to a bunch of these. I was here uh, in 1996 when Jimmy Johnson was introduced. That was a big deal. Yeah. Um, I was here in 2000 when Dave Wanstad officially took over. That was weird um, because <laughs> of the, way, the way that things went with, uh, with Jimmy the yeah. last year when Dave was kind of here already and sort of coaching the team, and mm-hmm. they lost 62-7, to and Jay Feeler threw a touchdown against him, and it was Marino's last game. And here's Dave Wanstad as your head coach in the post-Marino era. So that one was significant. Um, I was also here for the interims, uh, Jim Bates, Todd yeah. Bowles, uh, Dan Campbell, I was here for Tony Sperano. Uh, well, I'm going to – before we get to Sperano, Nick Saban in 2005. Yeah. 
Uh, that was eventful. That was a big deal. That was supposed to make the Dolphins the Patriots for the 14 years that followed. It didn't happen. It didn't happen, uh, and they're having a go at it again <laughs> they're 14 years again. later. Saban's <laughs> in Alabama. That lasted two seasons. He was never going to be the Alabama coach. Uh, so he's here for that one. I was here for the – I don't even call it the Sperano press conference. It was the Parcells right. press conference. It was his grand introduction. I think Parcells spoke for 40 minutes before Jeff Ireland or Tony Sperano even yeah, took the ra- stage. Rarely is the head coach the undercard of a pre- – like a new head coach being introduced is the undercard of the press conference. Yeah, and it was that year. And all I remember was over and over and over, there are catchphrases from every press conference, and that one was tough, smart, disciplined, to the point that they put that up in the auditorium that we were there in, in that we're in there today. And, of course, Joe Philbin, I missed that one. Um, I was told that was a good thing. <laughs> Actually, because <laughs> not much was said during that one. And then obviously we had the Adam Gase when I was there for that. During that one, he did not see dancing tacos. His eyes were not all over the place. And we thought he was the next genius head coach. So here we are again, 13th head coach in Dolphins history. Rather remarkable considering the fact that up until from 1966 until 1996, 30 years, there were two <laughs> <laughs> two head coaches. So, uh, so 11 and 22? 11 and 22. So it was George Wilson, mm-hmm. and then it was Shula. Don Shula. And that was it. Yeah. Okay? Until Shula got run out of town. We were kind of on the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers track we, there this, for a while. This was one of the most stable organizations mm-hmm. in sports. This was the Miami Heat, the San Antonio Spurs, the New England Patriots. Yeah. Uh, that's what the Miami Dolphins were. They are not that anymore. They are the Arizona Cardinals. They are the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. Okay? And so the how are you going to get out of this? And so here's my takeaway from today. We'll get to some of the points from Brian Flores. The key word today, well, start here. He's understated. We're going to say that. Right. Really understated. Mm -hmm. Really pleasant, it seems. Uh, Family guy. Great story. Great story. Had his kids. Two adorable kids were out there Mm -hmm. with him today. His wife was out there with him today. I'll just give you a little anecdote. I mean, he walked by us here. He doesn't know us, right? Came over, make sure, shake our hands, okay, on the Got way our back. names. Got made our sure, names. Made sure, yeah. Looked us in the eye, okay, in case he ends up working with us at some point or we end up being down here. So, you know, you always look for those kind of things early. It gives you a sense of who he is. But incredibly understated. But the key word that I heard over and over today, mm-hmm. from Steve Ross speaking first to Chris Greer to, uh, to Brian Flores, was aligned. That was the word of the day, as we say on the Light Skin Opinions podcast with Christopher <laughs> Maddox. Aligned, okay? Yeah. Um, they want to make it clear that we've killed them. We're not the only ones, but everybody has killed this organization for doing things in a half-ass fashion. They didn't totally blow it up, but they mm-hmm. got as close as you could, We're right? Like three-quarters of the way. Three-quarters of the way with Chris Greer in charge. And so the idea is they're trying to align the organization with people who are like-minded in this regard before we get to the specifics of what Flores, Ross, and Greer in a sidebar later said, what was your takeaway? Uh, my takeaway was, uh, frankly, how little it, his previous work was discussed. Because, I, I mean, as much as the Adam Gase era didn't work out in the end, I remember uh, you talk about sort of your relationships with previous press conference. Uh, the one that I most vividly remember is I was anchoring the live coverage uh, for 790 on the day of uh, Adam Gase's press conference. And I was there, and they kind of they, they put me on this assignment like, you know, 24 hours earlier. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, what direction am I going to go? I talked to someone from Chicago uh, who was telling me about, you know, how great the work he had done, you know, the, the – 
malleability and the flexibility of his work with Jay Cutler, and we were talking about all these different things about what he had done. There was very little emphasis on what he has done with the New England Patriots because that question is very murky, isn't no it? Knows. Right, is that we don't know. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, think about in any other context, right? Let's say uh, you know the Los Angeles Rams had scored. 45 points yesterday and, and won the Super Bowl. Wouldn't the Cincinnati Bengals who are introducing their head coach today, Zach Taylor, the quarterback coach, wouldn't a lot of the discussion be what did you take from McVay and you know what what have you done with the quarterback position? We and we were talking about it last night in our in our in our group DM. You know, CK was talk was in trying to big up what Flores had done in the game because the play calling was so good defensively from the New England Patriots. They only allowed three points. Why wasn't all of the discussion about Holy crap, dude, your side of the ball last night only allowed three points in the biggest game of the year. It, you know, made the Super Bowl as boring as it gets, but, I mean, it's it's a testament to how good your defense was. Mm-hmm. Why, why don't we give him the credit of having coordinated an all-time defensive performance in the history of football? I mean, yeah, yesterday's Tony game. Romo didn't yesterday. Right, right. right. It was and all Belichick. And, that, and, that, Belichick. and that's the thing. I wanted... At some point, and maybe we will at some point, I wanted to hear from Brian Flores, what was your responsibility for doing that? What was your role in doing that? What does your day-to-day look like? And obviously, Bill Belichick is a defensive guy. He's well involved with the defense, but, I mean, he is the head coach that's in charge of everything. Are we just going to say that Bill Belichick was responsible for that? I kind of wanted to leave today with a sense of what was your role in that? Because all the time, like, we judge head coaching hires on their previous work. And yet, for Brian Flores, that question is so murky that we really don't have the answer to that question even still. Yeah, and I think that is because of this respect for Belichick where it's always – his responsibility when it's good, but it's never his fault when it's bad, right? So, like, mm-hmm. last year, like, he, he deci- Belichick decided in the Super Bowl not to play his best quarterback, like, without explaining it to anybody. Right, and still hasn't. And still hasn't explained it and completely got away with it. So the guy ran off to Tennessee for more money and then ran back a touchdown against the Dolphins, right? Mm-hmm. It's never been explained, and it's like nobody seems to care. It was Malcolm Butler. And so I just think this is the the Belichick mystique that we don't want to give anybody else any credit. I was surprised with Romo yesterday, honestly, though, because he's so good and so plugged in on those meetings. They met with Brian Flores, like, why was he crediting Belichick all the time? And so, well, well, maybe it's because the, he left with the sense that Belichick, Belichick is actually is is actually the one that do knows you, all this stuff. Do you think it's possible? This would be a great question to have been asked today. But what do you think it's possible that Belichick was concerned that Flores might be distracted in some way? I mean, it could be. Oh, it's your first Super Bowl, and you know, I, I've done this before. It also could be that you know you're going to be a head coach of another team. You're trying to get your family down to South Florida. I mean, this was a really quick turnaround. Think yeah. about this. That game ended last night. At 10 o'clock, okay, mm-hmm. they weren't off the field. Like, Tracy Wolferson was still chasing Tom Brady, okay, <laughs> at 10, 15, 10, 20. And, and so, you know, then you have that, and then you got to get your family. It wasn't just mm-hmm. him flying right. down alone yeah, and I the mean, family they, coming after. They've definitely been assembling a staff because we already basically know what the staff is. Even though he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't really he, confirm, he wouldn't, he wouldn't any confirm names it, yeah. today. Right, but they have been putting a staff together, including guys from the Patriots. Correct. They, they stole the, quarterback, the assistant quarterback's coach mm-hmm. from the Patriots 
to come down here, hoping that Tom Brady magic will rub off, just like the Aaron Rodgers magic and the and the Peyton Manning magic yeah. wore off, ru- mm-hmm. you know, rubbed off. So you know, and, and worked so well for the Dolphins. The Philip Rivers magic too yeah, was Phillip, uh, was thrown in there too. Oh yeah, the Philip Rivers magic, right? Well, that the Philip Rivers magic was Norv Turner when he was back here way back when. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, actually, no, no, it was, it was Cam Cameron, right? It was Cam yeah. Cameron, right? Yeah. So I mean, it's always you know the mm-hmm. guy who's next to the quarterback, standing yep. next to the quarterback. But but look, I, but I, so so I guess the question is, was Flores the guy standing next to Belichick? I don't know. I mm-hmm. that, I don't. I yeah. didn't get any sense of it today. And I guess that's my broader point about mm-hmm. today, other than this aligned thing, which we should get into. Um, is that Steve Ross's message when he came out, other than making a lame joke about you know mm-hmm. a lot of people here, it's almost like we won the Super Bowl. He's not great at these things, but um, but you know it, it doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be, but it is what it is. He's, <laughs> he's friendly enough. Uh, but the, but the, the the funny thing about it was uh, you know he comes out and and he did address. One thing, which is that one of the questions that has come up during the coaching search was other teams have clearly been looking for a particular type of coach. So mm-hmm. an offensive coach, for the most part. The next McVeigh didn't look so great last night, but whatever. Mm-hmm. The next McVeigh. Next Reed, <laughs> next Sean Payton. Right. Like, and, and you look at like the final eight in the playoffs. Obviously, you know the defensive guy is the one that won in the end and defense won the Super Bowl. But I think seven of the last eight coaches all came from offensive backgrounds. And I, right, and you look and at I, Garrett and Peterson. And, and, and I think the top four offenses in the league were the last four offenses right, left. Right, right. So, so the league is trending offense, and the Dolphins didn't do that. Now, I, I, and I, they I, interviewed I, one of the guys. They interviewed right. Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. So it's and not like right, they looked right, at right. It. like they they were they were looking at offensive coaches, but it was it, to me I think it, it more kind of I don't know if if Stephen Ross said that because he's trying to accentuate that you know we're doing the different thing and kind of making it like this is why we're we're thinking different than everyone than everyone else we think everyone else is wrong does he say that because you know that's you know that's how he's trying to sell it and leadership is the way that you sell this higher why why do you think he he made it a point and and obviously like. That sentence that he said has mm. very much been part of the national conversation. Like, if you are friends with Sean McVay, like, it was included, yes. like, it, like, it had jumped the shark mm-hmm. when that sentence was actually included in the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> press release for Cliff Kingsbury. He's friends with Sean McVay. <laughs> right. Any relationship to him. And so, do you think that he let Ross took in that part of the lexicon and was either try, was trying to sell it or was trying to differentiate differentiate what the Dolphins did compared to everyone else? I think he's trying to differentiate from what he's done before. Mm. So if you look at the last two coaches, they were hired because they were offensive minds, right? And you know, I mean, Sperano, I don't count because he was an offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, but it was the Parcells philosophy, sure. which is a defensive minded philosophy. But the they, last they, start, two, they started with an offensive tackle in the draft. Like, like right. th- that's what they were trying to do. Correct. But the last two head coaches, it was Philbin, okay, standing next to Aaron Rodgers, and it was Gay standing next to Peyton Manning. And so I think, and they it failed miserably. They've had terrible offenses. They picked the wrong quarterback, and they stayed with the wrong quarterback too long, okay? Yep. Uh, and so. I think he's trying to differentiate from what he's done before and to make it clear. And also, I think he's trying to point out something that Flores painted as a positive, and I think it is, that he's worked in so many different jobs with the Patriots, but that you and I have painted as a question mark because he hasn't done one job for that long and he has never really been in charge of anything until this year and he didn't even have the title. And so I think Ross is trying to say, leader, this is what we identified in him. Now, I'll say this, okay? If he's a leader, and I don't doubt it because his players seem to respond to him, 
he's not the kind of leader we think of typically, right? Because when you say leader, this this thing comes to fans' minds of rah-rah. Sure. You know, it would have been a much different press conference than someone who up there today. Commanding presence. And he doesn't have that. No. He doesn't have that. Um, now, I never felt Adam Gase had it either. I mean, he wore the hat down. Right. I mean, he he fidgeted. I mean, even before the weird Jets press conference, right. he never commanded the room. The the two coaches, the coaches who've commanded the room here, Nick Saban commands a freaking room. OK, yeah. I mean, whatever you think of him, there is a fear of asking Nick Saban the wrong question. OK. Um, and and then Bill Parcells in charge commanded the room. Tony Sperano was much more mild mannered than sort of the Tony Sperano you know, mm-hmm. you know, look of him. Okay, so I don't think that he did. Philbin clearly did not. No. Right, did not command a room at all. Um, I, I think that what they're going to try to differentiate between this guy and Philbin is that this guy commands the room behind the scenes. Sure, and it does seem in terms of dealing with positions, and that was another of my problems with Philbin, and that's why I don't like quarterback coaches as head coaches generally. I know this has moved away from mm-hmm. it, and, sure. and Peyton and 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 McVay, etc. But they're dealing with a very small room. Mm. Quarterback coaches don't deal with – they have to align themselves in some ways with the offensive line room and with the receiver room. But their 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 core room is really like hardcore study with really two guys because you're not even really preparing the third guy if you got him or he's a practice squad guy these days. Whereas Brian Flores is dealing with the linebackers, broader defense. Mm-hmm. He's had to stand in front of the room and get them to believe in something. And so I do think that there is potential for him in that regard. But I think if what fans are looking for is the guy who's, you know, uh, going to Herm Edwards it, right? Like, right. that's not his personality, okay? I don't know that he's Tony Dungy, but but clearly it's not that type of personality that he's got there. Right, and, and I think that came through pretty clearly in the press conference. He's not someone that's really going to yell his way. Although, I mean, I will say that has come through in the reporting, hasn't it, that it, it – when people have talked about, you know, his relationship with his players, I mean, he even said today, I was very hard on them, them being the safeties, and that he does yell at players a lot. So maybe he just didn't want to convey it. He didn't want to convey it publicly. He didn't want to stand, you know, stand in front of the room and go full Dan Campbell. I guess Dan mm-hmm. Campbell is probably the coach yeah. that most demonstrated that <laughs> right. sort of Oklahoma that, drill, right? That that sort of projecting of manliness and toughness and all that stuff. When really, I mean, if the new man, the man radio station, <laughs> <laughs> you know, had a coach's show, oh my god, it would be Woo. with Dan. Campbell, yeah, right? I'm surprised the man hasn't hasn't started doing Oklahoma <laughs> drills between its hosts. <laughs> right. uh, but but Orlando's going to run into a wall. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you, but, but but I do think that that kind of that projection of it in the press conferences maybe not something he's interested in doing. Maybe he's that behind the scenes. I, I, I do think, and and you mentioned this, and I want to get into it. Is what do you leave this with if you're a Dolphins fan? You kind of listen to a guy who obviously comes from New England. That's impressive. But, again, there's that checkered history. Mm-hmm. Um, is not quite the guy that's going to be the savior at the quarterback position. Your team's talking. You know, I definitely think the owner uh, is kind of spearheading what is ultimately going to be, if not a tanking, then a serious rebuild. And um, we need to talk about that. Right. But so – Without and then you also don't leave with that knowledge of what he did in New England that obviously spearheads this incredible defensive performance yesterday. What do you leave this I, I, with? I, and so I, I if if it's not, there's no there's not a personality trait there's not much of anything that you really leave where you or you can at least see publicly again some of the stuff can be total fool's gold. I think most of it is nonsense. But I think um, the fact that there wasn't really anything that that you can grab onto and latch onto and say all right this is going to be the quality or the trait that I know my coach brings to the table I do think can 
leave that feeling of underwhelming, even with a, a total incomplete answer. You don't know what he's like behind closed doors. We'll get back to today's episode of the Five Reasons Podcast in a second. But first, I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, and that is Doral Toyota. Throughout Toyota, where you can find all your favorite Toyota models, whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle. Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. I've been there before. It is a fantastic location. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. In-house financing is available for credit-related issues. If you mention five reasons, when you call 305 305- 680-1129 or come in the dealership. You will work with a dedicated manager, not a salesman. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process. That's Doral Toyota, DoralToyota.com, or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. Vamos, let's go, Doral Toyota. Want to introduce you to another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Brunt Insurance, where you can get all of your protection under one roof they offer home auto commercial and life insurance they're licensed to write insurance for the entire state of florida that's pensacola all the way down to the keys they've got multiple carriers for all the product lines to ensure you're paying the lowest rate in your area i can speak to this personally because i reached out to greg brunt he told me he said send me all of your insurance policies so i sent him life i sent him auto i sent him condo i sent him house he looked at all of them and he says this one you're doing okay let's leave this one alone on two of the policies, though, he saved me more than $700, and that's just for this six-month term. So Greg can look at all your policies. He can find the right insurance company. That will work for you, the right carrier, and he will get it done for you quickly, and you'll get your money quickly. Also, he's a proud sponsor of the Home for Heroes program, which offers special discounts for first responders, teachers, military, and healthcare professionals. Takes that very seriously. Call Greg at 954 954- 589-2204. That's 954-589-2204 or go to bruntinsurance.com. I thought Omar Kelly tried today to pin him down because he kept talking about his core philosophy, mm. which just sounded to me like teamwork and hard work. Okay. It, it, it's a TED talk, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's right. you know, it's a leadership conference with kind e- of talk. With even less, right? Then you get into right. TED talk. But, but, and Omar pressed him on it and he kind of spent three minutes to get around to exactly the but, same answer. But, but, but I mean, but we know what the answers to those questions are. It's, uh, disi- is, it's discipline. But what is that? It's Right, exactly. What is discipline? I mean, Adam Gase's discipline, right, was sending away, okay, was basically Adam Gase couldn't deal with strong per- – okay, two different types of discipline. Get on board or leave, Right. Joe, Joe Philbin's discipline was I'm not going to deal with anybody in the leadership committee because he didn't have the personality for it. He was mm-hmm. too non-confrontational. They didn't respect mm-hmm. him. Adam Gase's discipline, right, was – we're going to dump a bunch of offensive linemen to make an example of them the mm-hmm. first year. Yeah. And then after big, that. Big any, shows of discipline, basically. Right. Jay Ajayi, Jarvis mm-hmm. Landry, Mike Pouncey, the guys who don't totally get in line with me, uh, we're going to ship them off. Uh, it, seemed, it, it always seemed to me as fraudulent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like Jimmy but, Johnson had a way of discipline, right? Okay. Jimmy t- used to talk about in Dallas, right? He, Jimmy always said there were different rules for different players. Kervin Richards fell asleep in a meeting. And he cut his ass, okay? Mm-hmm. If Emmett Smith had fallen asleep in a meeting, he would not have cut his ass. Mm-hmm. Pat Riley was the same way. Todd Day talked back to Pat Riley at a practice. He didn't make it out of the practice, okay? Shaq talked back to, practice, back to Pat Riley plenty of times. Shaq made it to the mm-hmm. next practice. I, I just – But but what is but, – but if Pat Riley was trying to explain that – I mean, so you read yeah. his book, right? You yes. read his book. Yes, too many and, times to count. And so how would he explain it? And would it be any kind of satisfying other than just a collection of words? No, I, I think Pat gave examples. Mm. I mean, if you read The Winner Within, you will get, I mean, let's, I mean, 
what's happened with Riley the last couple of years is a subject for another day. But if you get into Winter Within, which was written after be, during his time in New York, okay. okay, so before he came to Miami, it was a big joke because everybody who when Riley came here in what was it '94, and everybody was sitting outside waiting to meet him, there were like copies of the Winter Within that the writers had bought to impress him. Okay, <laughs> they were reading him, and Pat has told me and others he wish he hadn't written that bleeping book. Okay, but why? Because he gets asked about it all the time, oh. but 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 it is the thing about that book is that you know it's kind of like me with the cast down here at the facility where seventy five thousand <laughs> people had to hear about me walking off a curb the wrong way and spraining Such my an ankle. Satisfying story. Uh, it's just not. I mean, I didn't do anything <laughs> fascinating to get this. <laughs> so I don't. What everybody asks me, I appreciate the concern. And the cast is off tomorrow. Anyway, I hope. Um, but. I think the thing with, with Pat's book was there were specific examples. So he pulled examples from business. He pulled examples from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and from Magic Johnson and specific things that he did. Like things like, like for example, he, he had this thing called the, it, it, you know, I think it was temporary insanity. It's like the act of temporary insanity. He named it something like the typical Riley thing. But it was like he would talk about how he would intentionally go crazy in front of the players to scare the living bleep out of them, okay, so that they knew it was possible that he would have that reaction to something. Mm -hmm. And you go back to a story that he doesn't tell in that book because it happened after because it was in Miami, but the story everybody tells about mm -hmm. Detroit, and mm -hmm. we've talked about it on the podcast, mm -hmm. okay, of him closing the door and having the bucket of water and sticking mm -hmm. his face in the water and gasping for air and so mm -hmm. this is how bad you need to bleep and want it, okay? Yeah. Like, those are things. So, okay, Does so Ryan Flores do that stuff behind the scenes? I, I don't know, right. but Pat Riley started, he was a broadcaster. So, like, I, I feel like we want everybody to start mm -hmm. and say they're a finished product. Brian Flores, you know, has the right to come down here and evaluate his mm -hmm. team and the personalities on this team and how he's going to relate to them. I do think a couple things help him, though, and, and we've talked about some of this, too. I do think the fact that he's a minority candidate will help him with a lot of the players. It's just the reality. 75% mm -hmm. of the players in the NFL and on this team yeah. are African-American. He's Now, he's and if, from and Honduras, if, but and, and if any of them read I mean, he grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and then, like the third line of the SI story is him going, you know, my the, the soundtrack to my life is playing Biggie everywhere. I mean, what what is that if not getting in, getting in with the players? But I, I, I do think that obviously, you know, having that story and having that background, I mean, if any of the players are reading those stories, it's like, oh, okay. Right. I mean, it's, it's a lot different. and It's a lot different and, than having and, some and I quarterback guess, genius. And so I guess, I mean, isn't this really we're talking about, you know, what do you want in a boss, right? Like, like we're talking about great characteristics of boss, and in the end, they can only be words that are abstracts, right? So you just describe stories of inspiration and discipline, and like, but if I just said the, if I just said those things to you, you'd be like, oh, that's totally empty TED Talk nonsense. And so I guess it can only happen in application, but. The thing that's unsatisfying if you're a fan is that you don't really get to see that application. And so what are you going to judge him on if not this first year of results? And if this first year of results goes pear-shaped, almost as Stephen Ross wants it to be, right. then then, <laughs> w then what do, yeah, what do we tough. do with this coach? Well, I will say this. I was, I was really surprised um, that no one asked specifically to Ross or Greer about tanking. During their general sessions, um, now, now Greer spoke. Actually, Greer didn't speak in the in the general. So I, 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 I was there, and it, there was there wasn't a ton about you know about that particular. There was concept. some talk about about taking a quarterback. Yeah, but not as much about tanking and rebuilding. And that has been a storyline that I believe that the top levels of this organization have been putting out because they've been putting it out through certain people that they tend mm -hmm. to put it out through. Sure. So so I, I th that that's kind of where that's kind of where I believe it comes from. And so I think when you look at it, you say. All right, 
you're bringing down a head coach, like you said, who's got to sort of assess the situation, try to figure out what's going to be best for him going forward. Um, but you're in a situation where we know they're not going to win much next year. They're just not. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they may not be trying to. So I was a little surprised that that nobody – because you can't press Flores on that. Like, right. what, is, what is he going to know? Like, mm-hmm. do, why did you take this job when everybody talks about them tanking? Yeah. Okay. Well, now, I, gu- I guess you could ask – you could. Well, what well, is he gonna say? Right. Yeah. Uh, what, right. What right. You could like in your in your meeting with Ross. Did he go? Well, we're thinking about tanking. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 did that deter you from taking this job? Right. But and clearly, it didn't because he's here. Well, and he said too that when he came out of the meeting and he felt he, he came out of the meeting and he felt very very comfortable. Um, he also said that he was not in a hurry to be a head coach, which I thought was interesting. Um, I mean, he's young, so right. why, why should he be? He's been a defensive coordinator for a year. Right. So he was not in a hurry to be a head coach, but he did say about four years ago he thought he was relating to the players in a way that he thought it was possible for him long term. Um, obviously, Greer didn't get pressed about any of the other candidates. I do want to sidebar, though, to hit Greer's sidebar because he does touch on some of this. You know, he was asked a couple of questions which are important. One, he was asked about Ryan Tannehill. Pretty point blank uh, by Joe Shad about okay, there's been a lot of reports that he's not coming back, and Greer danced um, as you would expect him to. They they don't have to make a decision right now, right. and they may and want a team to sweep in here and give them a six correct. round pick. Correct. So so they're not going to do that. But the way he framed it was that the new coaching staff has a right to come in and evaluate him. I just thought. The endorsement of Ryan was one of the weakest endorsements I've ever heard for somebody who's been here seven years as the face of the franchise. He basically said to see if he could get anything out of him. Did you did you hear that phrase? No, I did not. Okay, I mean, so what 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 more is there left I, to I, get I, out I, of? I, I don't know. I mean, to maybe see if it's worth keeping him as a backup if Ryan was going to take an enormous pay cut. I, I right. guess, but there are enough jobs around the NFL. I mean, I think Cincinnati, I think Carolina, there could be a backup possibility. Uh, there's enough jobs around the NFL that the Ryan's going to very in a least back, in a backup role. In a backup but, role. But now he could it, get a caretaker role somewhere. I, yeah. I think. I don't know where that place is. Um, I mean, could you bring him to Cincy? Could he? Could he beat out Andy Dalton? I don't want to veer off into a Tannehill space here, but right. could he beat out Andy Dalton in training camp? Maybe. I don't. Probably not. Maybe. I I, I have I, heard since he talked about with Tannehill. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, so that's an option. But so he danced. And, and remember, now. the head coach there now is Zach Taylor. He used to be the quarterbacks coach here. For a time, right. Yeah. So so he so he might bring so him. You can in bring there. him there, and then maybe if Andy has a bad camp, I mean, they they're not going anywhere with Andy Dalton. They're yeah. not going anywhere with Ryan. What either, does the Tannehill contract look? Sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy. You're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Like on the free agent market, is it like eight million, ten million, twelve million? I, I think it depends if he's your caretaker or not. If he's going to be yeah. what Josh McCown was for the Jets a couple of years ago, then it mm-hmm. could be up around eight million. I mean, Sam Bradford got twenty to do this job last year, uh, and then was cut. <laughs> uh, but but uh, but the other thing that Greer said that I do want to hit on was he said something interesting, and he volunteered it. He was not asked this. Sure, he talked about how the last two times they hired full time head coaches. They had a really good first season. Mm-hmm. If you remember, Sperano, Wildcat, eleven and five, and then didn't have a, a five hundred or better season after that. Mm-hmm. And then Philbin, uh, excuse me, not Philbin, but Gase, sure, ten and six, uh, and then it got worse from there. Um, and so he was pressed on that to say, "Well, did it hurt you?" 
I think Omar asked, did it hurt yeah. you going forward that you were better that first year? And he framed that as no, but we, we didn't really build the foundation. We knew we needed pieces. And both of those years were fool's gold. If you look back at sure. them, the, the, the 2008 season, Chad mm-hmm. Pennington played a perfect season. You got him off the scrap. And, and, the and last he was never going to come back and be fully healthy. or like That was his last. That was the last. going to be run. his last great season. I mean, they did not have a lot of elite talent on that roster. They caught lightning in a bottle with a wild cut. They had a very soft schedule. There was a six-week period of that schedule where they yeah. didn't play a starting quarterback. I remember that, yeah. And I remember like they won by like they were, they were, they were, they weren't scoring by they weren't scoring many points. Very small margins. Yeah. The best win of the year ultimately was it's that not, win. And, and like and we just know, right? Like right. when you, you know, watch when you watch the Chiefs this year, you go, you, "Oh, that's, that's the start of that's the start of a new era." Right? right? When right. you watched, you know, the first year of the Dolphins under Adam Gates, as fun as it was. Right. I mean, you, you didn't go into the next year thinking, well, now they're going to you know build on that and get to the second round of the playoffs or the third well, round of the playoffs. I, like, I think some people thought there was a chance. I think the Tannehill injury blew that up, and that's the only thing that's that's unfair to Gase. I mean, I, I, I thought I was fair to Gase the third year, and, and it played out. But the second year, I understood it. But I, I just think, I, I think the way they're going to frame this is this, that they're trying to make a sustained run here, and so they, they're not going to spend big money on free agents. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's going to be an intentional tank, but I just think it's going to be not giving this coaching staff the resources to win big early. I, I just think I think decisions are going to be made based on how this is going to look in, in two or three years, not this year. Will there be some accidental winning? Perhaps. Okay. And I think what you want to see from Brian Flores this year, are the players playing hard? Mm-hmm. Are they responding to him? Okay, is he handling clock management correctly? That was a big issue for Tony Sperano that first year. It yep. was a big issue for Saban. Okay, he had some timeout f- gaffes that people don't remember. Just well, dealing and, with and the pro right, game. And uh, to me, the funniest thing about the head coaching analysis is that fans focus so much on that stuff because it's like it's the most relatable thing of right. coaching we don't know shit about three four defenses right. and and you know 11 personnel and like all and all these different right. ways and obviously you know we have people in our network that do but that's generally not fans the fans <laughs> right. sit in front of not a, everybody's on right the I, right not everyone's ck they sit on a couch and they go how come he's not calling a timeout right. because you've run that situation in madden a thousand times and yet i, I don't think uh, like coaches really give it that much thought i really don't like i don't think brian flores sitting around going well you know i while i'm calling this defense oh i think i would call a timeout there no like like it's just it's such an ancillary part of the game to them compared to the strategy that that really for all of adam Gase's flaws which i documented clearly here uh he wasn't that bad at clock management well because he handed off to darren rizzi he didn't do it he didn't do it he just didn't do it right uh, and because like because again that's how little some guys in the in the business care about that stuff. And yet, and yet, it, it's and yet so it, much is, it is probably the reason Andy Reid doesn't have a Super Bowl. Correct. And it, and it's and it's, and all, it's probably the reason and, why Herm Edwards is coaching Arizona first, State. And it's the first thing you think of with Andy Reid, right? Andy Reid <laughs> right. in a playoff game. What are you saying? Clock management. Right. And it's like it's such an ancillary part of the game to them. To them. Because they're focusing, you know, hundreds of hours a week on strategy. And so, I, yeah, you're right, though. I mean, in terms of you want to see right head coaching things, but if they go three and thirteen. Is anyone going to feel good about the about him, right? Like, unless, I, I, unless I mean, there's I mean, like, I just hope he doesn't get Steve Wilkes. Okay, right. Th- that's my thing because because th- that was you know a minority head coach goes to Arizona, mm-hmm. clear yeah. t- tear down. In that case, rookie quarterback, yeah, paring down their talent. No, no skill talent whatsoever. No, no, other than running back, and he wasn't totally healthy. Right. Larry Fitzgerald was, is old. Mm-hmm. Okay, defensive talent. A lot of the, their better defensive players didn't want to be there anymore, mm-hmm. and and then you in- he inherits that. 
and the thing totally collapses, and now they go out and hire Cliff Kingsbury after a failed college head coaching career. Yeah, uh, that that's what. Now, but it, it's I, I will say it's, it's possible, it's, isn't? It? No, it, uh, I, I will I will be hard on them if they do that, though. Sure, okay? and I think we all should be because the, own, committed, the owner the owner is saying it. Right, right. If the owner goes back on this now, okay. Yeah. Like there which, is no way you can fire Brian Flores after one year. You which, by the way, he wouldn't be the fir- he, he wouldn't be the first though, because the Sixers owner lost his stomach for it. There have been a lot of uh, of owners and GMs and that have lost the, the stomach NFL, for this. And it's different. Well, Cleveland, they lost the stomach for yeah, it. They Cleveland. fired Sashi Brown. Okay, now I, I think, but but Ross has said it from the very beginning. And at this point, he has to give Brian Flores two years. Okay, you cannot fire him after one give year. Him three years. Yeah, well, he, he should. He should. We'll see how it goes. But but the, to me, the second year should be guaranteed here. He can't build a program with what they're trying to do in one season. All right. And the reality is they've brought in, and they didn't name them all today, but the Jim Caldwells of the world and others, mm-hmm. they have experienced people here on the staff to help him, to guide him. Okay. I do think he's going to – a couple things I think – and the the beat guys have already talked about this. I think this is true. He's going to be very tight with information, very Patriots-like in that way. It may frustrate some fans. It's going to frustrate some media. It's not the first time that's happened in this organization. Nick Saban didn't let anything get out. Parcells' regime didn't let anything get out. Okay, so I hope for his sake, you know, this would be some advice for the coaches – I, I, I play it straight. Don't play favorites, and because you'll do better that way. That's just my personal opinion. From being 20 years in the media down here, the guys who played favorites have not fared well. Um, but but I I just think that you have to as fans i think we have to look at this first year and just look for small signs you're not looking at the big 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 picture yet because you can't really see it right you can't really see it and and you don't want situations where you're just patching they've gotten mike tannenbaum i think he's got a stapler over there in the back room <laughs> okay behind the media room he's out of the picture now there'll be a press release sent out in a month or two that he's pursuing other opportunities yeah. he'll be an agent for some right. nba coach yeah, okay he'll, he'll be resuming his agency business right or whatever. so that that's over with you're not going to go after the big name guys they got away from that last year anyway so I think Dolphin but here's my message to Dolphin fans okay if you're going to say you're okay with a rebuild and that the Dolphins needed to do this and that the Heat need to do this right mm-hmm. and that the Marlins are finally start, you know doing maybe doing this right we'll see if you're going to take that approach then you can't be chasing squirrels. Every time that Levy, a Le'Veon Bell or an Antonio Brown, okay, or yep. any of these guys is out there, you can't be flooding Twitter and everywhere else and asking people like me and others at CK, like, oh, well, why can't the Dolphins get that guy? They just had to give up a fourth-round pick. If you're committed to this, you're committed to this. Correct. No Le'Veon Bells, no Antonio Browns. Mm-hmm. I don't care if he's from here. You, If you're going to build this thing the right way, you build it the right way, you clear the space for your young players to play, you build it through the draft, and you commit to this head coach for at least two years. If they do that, then but, uh, I'm uh, not going to be that hard okay. on them as long as I, I see that they're at least taking that approach. Sure. Now, here's my question. What happens if they go 3-13 and 13 next year, and at 1-8, and eight, the fans start bitching? Right, because they will. right, and and like it's the same old because again, you mentioned the Marlins. The Marlins are actually probably doing the right thing, right? And and as crappy as that is to admit, and as much as you probably don't want to go and see it or watch it on television, I know because I really didn't last year. I, I I just I didn't invest I think almost I any three games almost in totality any of my I time. There. But they're probably doing the right thing, right? They're building an organization from the ground up. You're, and look, as much as we'd want them to spend money so that they can drag us out there, when the Marlins spent money in 2012, we didn't go, mm-hmm. right? And as we don't, we don't want and to. And they had that. an all-star outfield two right. years ago, and right. nobody went. Correct. They had Giancarlo Stanton and Jose Fernandez pitching every fifth day. They had the future MVP Christian Yelich. They, they had, had two Marcelo future, Zuna. They had two future MVPs. <laughs> right. I mean, they had so much going on. And look, they, they weren't a playoff team, but they had good players, and you could have gone, and you didn't. Mm-hmm. And so, 
And so the Marlins are probably doing the right thing. The Dolphins are probably doing the right thing. But they've got 17, 17 years worth of fans. Not, I mean, hell, I, I knew fans. We know fans that didn't even enjoy when they made the playoffs three years ago. It was like, oh, but they were frauds anyway. But it's like you're not, you're not even going to enjoy winning? So, so what is it going to be like? Are fans actually going to be accepting of an experience? Is it going to be communicated well enough? Because you can't really get in front of a podium and go, well, we're trying to lose next mm. year. And are, are you succeeding by failing? Are fans going to be okay with it in large numbers? Are they going to go to the stadium? Are they going to watch on television, losing after losing after losing, and not have a go at the coach, and not have a go at everyone involved in the organization? Because ultimately that is the thing that causes owners and GMs to yeah. lose the stomach for it is because every week you go out there and watch your team lose, you get pissed off, the fans get pissed off, and there's this cycle of everyone being angry to the point where, all right, we got to try something else. And so, which is what happened this year, but they weren't rebuilding. And I think mm -hmm. that's different. I think that is why they're trying to get out in front of it. It's it's a little odd when you're trying to sell tickets and yeah. you're making it clear to people, and you just brought in a head coach who's not a big personality, Correct. and you're not going to draft a quarterback. Wait until they pass on Kyler Murray. Right, right. Wait, wait until that happens mm -hmm. because there's going to be a contingent. And, not just and if CK, he's good, and if he's and good. if he's good, wait until they pass on Kyler Murray and they decide that they're going to wait a year. Why Why wouldn't you try it? Because well, it, I would try it, but I mean, Ben Albright laughed in my face on that. But right, I, okay, I, and, well, and his theory, and I, I wish I, I, I just only being confrontational when we were asking a people's time. But my, my, my retort was Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser was drafted in the first round by the Browns. Right, he was terrible, and they drafted. I think was it was well, Baker Mayfield it was the Baker. next year. Yeah. yeah, they drafted Baker the next year. I mean, they dra I mean, they drafted Cody Kessler in the third round, and he was you know basically a foregone you know foregone he's gone by game eight of this of his first year, which I think is harsh. But I, I I do I do wonder like why couldn't they take a quarterback? If anything, if your quarterback is bad, then you're probably more likely to go two and fourteen, which is your end goal anyway. Right. If you're going to play him right away, and then but which then, which is what you do, right? Well, you, yeah, you throw him out there. I don't know if it's fair to someone like Kyler Murray. We'll see uh, to adjust to sort of the size difference he's going to have to deal right. with in the NFL. But but uh, look, I would do it. Mm -hmm. But you and I need to then, if we're going to say that, and we're also saying they need to tank. I understand that that might be a reason to mm -hmm. tank. Okay, but you, right. here's the other problem. If you if you draft a Kyler Murray in the first round, not the contracts are where they were before, mm -hmm. but you're still going to be paying that guy a significant amount of money. Not like you'd be yeah. paying a, a yeah, starting yeah. quarterback you get on the open market, but still something uh, to be a quarterback. And, and you're burning the pick for that you wouldn't take another position. I, you know me, I'm in favor of taking a quarterback every year, if Correct. not two. Okay, I've been saying that because for years what's the and point of all this if you don't have a quarterback? Correct. So you just keep burning. If you're going to burn picks, stop burning them on guards. Okay, just take a shot at a quarterback. So. I understand the rationale for that. I've presented that case, but I'm also going to have to pull back a little bit and say if they don't do that, okay, and they want to build in the trenches first, and you know they potentially have a Pro Bowl, you know, right tackle in three years, that maybe that's worth it, okay, or a mm -hmm. defensive tackle who they don't have to go out and pay an Indomitian Sue, but mm -hmm. he becomes something like an Indomitian Sue. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I think we just have to step back a little bit and have some patience with us. Hey, it's Seth Levitt here from the Fish Tank with my main man. O.J. McDuffie, the Juice. And Juice, we've got a special guest over the next two weeks in the tank. What's up, everybody? It's Pat Sertan, and I'm officially diving into the Fish Tank. If he was better than Peyton, yeah. he definitely wasn't better than me. Oh, there <laughs> so we go. So that's what I wanted, wanted to get to. Yeah, <laughs> that's where we're going with it. Did you mm -hmm. and Peyton ever play against each other in high school? Absolutely. Beat him 35-7. 35-7. Wow. Get out of here. Oh, yeah, I had 
three rushing and two passing on him, accounting for all five touchdowns. <laughs> Out of hands in all of them. Yeah. Hey, Pat so, came in here saying he doesn't remember stuff, but he remembered remember all that. that. Make sure you dive into the tank to hear our entire interview with Patrick Sertan here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can catch up on what you've missed and hear new episodes every two weeks until July by searching The Fish Tank on Apple Music, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. I do think the one difference between this and the Marlins, and this is not Derek Jeter's fault, but there's still the stain on the Marlins for not spending. Right. Even though you mentioned they did a couple of years, but even that was not huge payroll. Right. Okay. And, and they gave it they gave it three months, and Ozzy Guillen was you know had screwed it up before it even started. Right. I mean, he starts mentioning Castro. Yeah. In the first you know five minutes he's here, but not smart. But but, <laughs> but although Ozzy would have been fun yeah. if he'd stayed here longer, but. That's that to me. That's the difference. Jeter is paying for a certain regard for Lurius sins, but also, you know, the Marlins could have, and we've had this debate many times, spent more money at first. And so I think there's a lack of trust. Nobody has seen Bruce Sherman and Derek Jeter spend. We have seen Steve Ross spend. Correct. That's not the issue with him. Okay. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would argue that of the owners down here. Of the four owners, he is the most likely to spend because Mickey at times has pulled it back a little bit, sure. and I believe we're going to see that this week. I think understandable I think, when he probably dumps Wayne Allington to get or someone else to get under the tax. I think he's the most desperate to win. I, I really do. Yes. Like I think I think Stephen yes. Ross is desperate. Well, he didn't experience the big three, right? and not only and did so, he not experience it. Mm-hmm. But he he was fighting it. Right, like, exactly. It was like every, he's, he's every, fighting for relevance while this is relevance happening. To the point that when the year LeBron was gone, well, the Heat don't matter anymore. He right. said at a press conference. Yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean that. I'll tell you, that's that belief irritates the Heat. Yes. Okay. You talk to well, Heat I mean, officials they're, about they're that. All, they're all competitive, and I'm sure right. things that the Heat do, you know, piss piss the, the Dolphins the, off. The, the, I will say this, and I don't know if I revealed this on a pod before. The angriest the Heat have been at me in the last 20 years was when I wrote a column comparing them to the Dolphins. Okay. Yeah. So, so that there is that perception there mm-hmm. of not of not of frugality, mm-hmm. but of incompetence. Correct. Right. Right. That exactly. That the Heat have not that, had until the last three years. Stephen Ross will throw like if this was a non-salary cap sport. Right. He might have a $500 million payroll to try and win 13 games yes. and win the Super Bowl. He would do everything possible to, to try, but they're in a salary cap system. They can't, so they have to find competency, and that's the thing that they most struggle at for 10 years. Right. And it, I guess if there's hope today, I guess it is that Stephen Ross did not try and do the hot thing and get the offensive guy that's going to fix the quarterback or find the quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's just looking for competency in this organization from Chris Greer and from Brian Flores to lead this thing in the right direction. If that right direction is losing for a year so we can find Tua Tungavailoa so we can win a lot in the future, then that's the right strategy. But I'm just curious what the strategy is from their stat- from their vantage point and because I'm someone who advocates for this kind of strategy for from mm-hmm. NBA teams and to a lesser extent from NFL teams just because I think it's harder yeah. and the results are less guaranteed, right? If you draft a guy first overall, if you're drafting Zion Williamson, you're probably getting a very good player. If you draft the first quarterback in the draft, eh, it's kind of a crapshoot. Right. Um, and so I, I don't know if you're going to have that level of success. I will say, though, if you lose a lot, you're guaranteed to get the first pick as opposed to being in a lottery. Um, but I, I, I do think, as someone who advocates for this, I just have seen everywhere fans, ownership, yeah. Lose the stomach for it. And so my hope is that this is coming from owner. I hope that Stephen Ross is leaking to Adam Schefter. We're looking at quarterbacks in 2020. Mm-hmm. I hope he's oh, leaking I this. He is, I hope he's leaking it because that's then it's his idea and mm-hmm. he's going to have to stick to it because I, I think I think it'll work. 
I really do. I think if the Dolphins this year go two and fourteen, get the first pick in the draft, and draft Tua Tungo Vailoa first overall, they will fix their organization. I am convinced of it. I just <laughs> you're I more just, confident about this I, than I, me. I, I, I just, think it's the right approach. Yeah, I think, I, but I, I've been around here too damn long. Okay, <laughs> okay. I started covering no, this team yeah. in '96. All right, right. I, I, I it's you know I think it's the right approach. Yeah. I think the fans may be more patient about it because I think what bothered them so much that the, this last year about this mm-hmm. team was that there was an arrogance that was still coming out of this organization sure. emanating from the head coach that was unearned. Mm-hmm. And and there was also a quarterback that they just had enough of. Right. Okay? And, and not his so, it's fault. Such carried, day. It's such he, a groundhog right, day team. Right. He carried himself the right way. So this is nothing mm-hmm. against Ryan Tannehill He pushed personally. to injury when he probably shouldn't have. Pushed to injury. He deserves a lot of credit for that. And we should, really, honestly, when it's official, we should do a podcast with some kind of a tribute to him. We'll find something. Okay? <laughs> because I, I oh, do. It's toughness, really. I, I mean, it's toughness. Yeah. But I, I, th- there were things there that you should appreciate. But it was enough. It was enough. We right. didn't want to see it anymore. The fans didn't want to see it. And particularly because then you had a head coach who wasn't taking responsibility for anything. He was supposed to be a guru of something that was not good. Okay, and when you saw the fa- you know, the picture, the iconic picture from the Ross, from the Gase, you know, the Gase tenure is going to be that picture of Ross Marino and Tannenbaum sitting up in the press box. Okay, where Tannenbaum's kind of looking away. Marino looks disgusted. By the way, Danny today. Uh, nearly <laughs> fell down the stairs. First, they had a name tag for his chair. I'm not sure that was necessary. Don't you just leave the one chair open and Dan picks no, it? No, but like, but what if you like go down the stairs and you sit down in Dan's chair? Then he tells you to get the <laughs> fuck up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, probably. Uh, by the way, he I I could say this. You can leave that one because he cursed on the way up the stairs yeah. because the stairs and I I'm, I'm trying to deal with the crutches, but the stairs in the auditorium are a little steep. It's it's like it's like two Sloped. steps. It's two step. Two steps per stair. Right. You got to take a step, step, and then another stair. And the great Dan Marino stumbled <laughs> on his way up and cursed at the air. Yeah. Uh, so, but that's the picture. It's it's Ross, it's Tannenbaum, yeah. and it's Marino, and it was over. And I was watching when when Flores was speaking. I was watching Danny. Um, and Flores is not inspiring in that setting. No. Um, I wouldn't say Danny looked bored. Because he can look bored a lot. Mm-hmm. I've seen him on a on a bench in Mobile. He can look <laughs> bored. Uh, he, I, but you know, again, this wasn't something. He, again, talking kind of low into the mic. Yeah. You know, and I'm wondering if that changes a little bit. But one anecdote before we close here. I mean, to tell you how different it is. Jimmy Johnson out here, first day training camp. We're sitting out here right now. Okay. There were lines. I mean, this is before they had the garage here. Before they had the Nick Saban Memorial Bubble. That's right behind us. Yeah. I mean. It was as far as you could see. People beyond people, beyond people, beyond people. That's when there was still hope in this organization. That's when they ha- they went with Don Shula's last four years. There were 14 games over 500. He got run out of town, okay, yep. because there was somebody better who came along. That's how people felt about Jimmy Johnson, okay? Nick Saban, again, there was that thing. I wrote a column about Camp Cameron's first day. There was nobody here. It's like people knew. I'm curious First day of training camp out here yeah. this year. If they don't get a, a premium quarterback, if it's Jake Rudock, okay, and uh, David Fails and Luke mm-hmm. Falk, okay, yeah. some combination, okay, out here, what does training camp look like 
out here this season. It was not that crowded last year. I was out here three or four times. It no, was not I mean, that and, busy. and I think, and I think it'll be the same this year. I think fans. I, I'd be curious, you know, what their engagement numbers are telling them, and what, and, and and all this stuff about today's press conference. What it's like, you know, what how it's received on local news, where it's going to be covered, how many people are watching NFL Network, how many people are listening to this podcast. Because I'm curious if there is just this sense that's going to permeate through Dolphins fandom for years, mm-hmm. years of. Just prove it to me. Right. It just wake me when you've proven that you can win consistently, and then I'll show up. But until then, don't ask me to come to training camp for the first day. I'm probably not going to be buying season tickets. Mm-hmm. I'll, wa- I'll watch on Sundays, and I'll complain a lot. Like, there's just this vast swath of Dolphins fans that are just, just prove it to me. Not not that you're winning and this is a flash in the pan, you're winning on this day, but that you're like you're like the Patriots, you're like mm-hmm. the Chiefs, you're like the Rams that beat the crap out of teams every Sunday, right? And I just, I, until the Dolphins get to that stage, I don't think there's a coach that they can hire. I really do. I mean, they've... They hired Bill Parcells and Nick Saban, right. and, and, it and, didn't, Jimmy, and it didn't work. Right. There is no coach or front-off executive by reputation. I think if they traded for Sean McVay tomorrow, I don't think there would be the sense of, all right, it's fixed, let's go. Like I, There isn't a person alive other than Bill Belichick that can come in here and you go, all right, th- this is going to be fixed, and we have this you know, huge level of excitement. Yeah, well, I think part of that is the sports town in general, right? Sure. I, and I wonder how that plays into it because the Marlins – are in full rebuild, the Heat are in purgatory, the Panthers are disappointing, so they became irrelevant again this season. Yep. The Canes seem to be the ones with the enthusiasm back mm-hmm. because they've got, you know, they've worked the recruiting portal and they hired the right guy, yeah. okay, uh, in Manny Diaz. Like, the, the Canes caught a break but, yes, you they know, did. With, with Mark Richt yes, uh, they did. stepping aside. We're going we're gonna to get into that next week and talk a little bit more about them. But I, I just think that I'll be interested, is the sports fan in South Florida – tuning out completely yeah like just done with the whole damn thing because it's so bad i mean oh, the, well, the patriots it, it, i mean boston teams don't go 100 days without championships anymore right it's wake me it's wake me right it's right. it's it's wake me when things have actually will turned that around that help the dolphins because if everything else is not exciting look the Dolphins would be very easy to ignore right now for a lot of people if the Heat still had LeBron or if they had Prime Wade, okay, or mm-hmm. they traded for Jimmy Butler. It would be very easy to ignore. And a lot of this is media. A lot of this is the guys that we see at everything, right? The TV guys, okay, the columnists. That they're only like a couple left, but like you know, the the, the mainstream media guys down here. Where do they go, right? Where they got to go somewhere. Yeah. They got to cover something. And the Heat are just not compelling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that that does help the Dolphins a little bit get off the mat with the Panthers and, and Marlins being sort of irrelevant. I think Manny's camp is going to get a lot of attention, you know, with the Canes this year. But it's just a dead time. And even so, your so, team hasn't started yet. The right? Beckham team hasn't yeah. started yet. So, so. so what would what would Brian Flores have to do? Or what would this organization have to do to have a first lo- first month like Manny Diaz just had? Because he like I don't think I'll, they can I'll, get it. I'll, I'll, I'll speak. I'll speak from a personal standpoint. I was thinking about maybe not renewing my Kane season tickets mm. for next year, and that month convinced me to do it. I called my dad and I go, "We're going to do it. We're going right. to go back." And it, by the way, the home schedule next year for UM is horrendous. Right. In terms of like going to games, are going to be compelling. It's going to be awful. But I, I looked around and I went, "I don't want to lose these tickets for when they turn things around in two years. They're home right. with FSU and 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 it'll be better." Like. They convinced me in a month. Is there anything the Dolphins could do? I, I don't think so. I mean, it would have to be quarterback, and, and there's nothing out there in free agency that would do that, so why bother? Uh, like, why bo- like Kyler Murray, maybe. That's the only thing I can think of. Sure. 
potentially. But there's not there's nothing else they can do. There's no premium free agent. Okay, getting rid of Tannehill alone is not going to do it. Um, you know, Xavier Howard, you know, coming to contract terms with him. I, I want them to do that, but it's not that's not going to do it. You know, getting Rashad Jones to be happier with the situation now, that's not going to – there's nothing that Brian Flores can do. You're right. It is a prove-it stage. Um, but, like I said, the eyeballs – what I'm curious about from a Miami sports town, and I'm personally curious about this because we started a damn sports network in Miami, okay? <laughs> and we have a website coming in the next three or four weeks, okay? I've been saying that for the last three to four months. But what I'm curious about at this stage is do – Miami sports fans find the team to go to where they find hope or do they just ignore sports entirely in a city like Boston or New York or Los Angeles? I don't know, but New York, Boston, Chicago, Philadelphia, St. Louis. I will they, say New York's a bit like that now. I mean, what do they have? No, but they go. Oh, they go to the Yankees. OK, and yeah. the they, they'll go to a team. OK, they'll find a team. The Rangers had it for a little bit when they were a little better in New York. I guess, I guess, the, I guess the, gar- the garden is always full the, the, no matter the, what the Knicks are doing. Right. OK. But and even now they're going to sell themselves on Zion Williamson. OK. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Kevin and Durant. Kevin Durant, Durant. Durant. <laughs> right. So they'll. But in New York, they'll go somewhere. Right. In cities like. You know, in Dallas, they'll go somewhere. In cities like Miami and Atlanta, even D.C. to an extent, you know, they don't uh, – they may just tune out. They may just decide sports are not – there's right. enough to do. You and I are sitting out here. I mean, we're sitting out here. It's February 4th. 4th. We're sitting outside at almost 7 o'clock with planes going above us. It's 78 degrees, okay, and breezy. There's other shit to do down here. Yeah. And I, I'm just wondering at what point, like our numbers, I can speak, you know, we've stayed pretty consistent. Okay, we're new, but it's it's not a great time to be a sports network down here. It's not a great time to be in general sports media. It's not a great time to be a sports fan. Um, and so I do think that there's a jockeying for position with the different teams. And I think that the other teams, because when you talk to the other teams, you get this from them. Okay, all of them. Right, because they, they, they want to assert themselves as the as the. Premier option. They're hopeful that the Heat stay in a rut for a little bit. Yeah. Because the Heat are most capable mm-hmm. with their group in their front office and their coach to figure it out eventually. Okay? The Heat basically put themselves – it's like when you play Madden, okay, or, or NBA 2K, and you put yourself in, like, championship mode for the very beginning. The Heat made it as difficult as they possibly could. They yeah. basically dumped themselves in a maze, okay, mm-hmm. that was filled with, like – you know, with snakes, okay, and <laughs> alligators, okay, and and loan sharks. Okay. Fire is chasing you. <laughs> right, right. They put themselves in the most difficult position they possibly could. It's like, and then they handcuffed their hands behind their back, okay, and they blindfolded themselves and said, hey, let's find it to the other side because we're the Heat. We can do that. They did this to themselves. Yep. The only way that the Heat could not be number one in this town at this stage with what's going on with the Dolphins, even the Dolphins, and with the Panthers and with the Marlins and with the Canes, was if they totally bleep themselves, and they did. And so I think you're, these other teams are looking at this like, okay, here's an opportunity. It buys us a little bit of time. If we can just sell hope, all right? Because I don't know if Pat Riley can even sell hope right now. He can't. All he can say is, Okay, these contracts there, are going to be gone in 2021, right? Like that's or, all he or has. that there will be there's a, because of the NBA, there's always going to be guys available, and Miami is always going to be in the top five of destinations for one of these teams. Right, like and we today. only need two, right? We only need two. We we don't right. need we don't need the whole thing. We need two, and I'll find some Rodney Magruder's to put around him. Like right. we need two, and so they're gonna. Th- that's been the sale. 
but what happens if Pat walks away? What happens if Spo walks away? What happens mm -hmm. if you're two years into this and you're still, you, you know, your hope is that Hassan Whiteside and Tyler Johnson are expiring contracts? I don't want to deviate too much, but it, it does. Mm -hmm. You have to put the There's Dolphins a in the total context here. And there is a window. Just as there this year was a window for the Panthers just to get to the bottom stage of relevancy. Correct. And they bleeped it up. Yes. Okay? Um, and so I, I just think— Just as—by uh, the way, I, I, I'm very much looking forward to having soccer in Miami. The fact that they've taken six years to get off the ground bleeped up what could have been this an have obvious been. head start. Yes, absolutely. Like, like we could have been talking about soccer, uh, you know, it, like the, what they're doing in the MLS transfer yeah. market. Like it, that could have been happening because there's there's someone waiting. Are you to, you to, just want to get to your Nigel voice. No, I'm no. not letting you. <laughs> I'm not letting you. No, I, I really do believe that they missed a huge opportunity by not being able to work politics. And the, absolutely, but at least it looks like it's starting, so that's good. Sure. But look, UM basketball this year, no fault of their own. Correct. Had an opportunity to be somewhat relevant. They got wrecked and, by the FBI. got wrecked by the FBI. That's total bogus, uh, the way that was handled. So I guess total takeaway, we'll finish mm -hmm. here. Total takeaway on this is Brian Flores not going to blow anybody away as a speaker. Dolphins not really going to do anything splashy in free agency. And the question is this, we'll leave you with this. How long are you willing to wait? You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.